it's Canadian Mike with a Canadian fun fact. Did you know that Canada has the longest coastline in the world that spans 202,080 kilometers, which translates to 125,567 miles? Now that this fun fact is over, we can get into the next episode of this podcast. Before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. And first, we've got new merch, baby. If you have someone on your list for the holidays and you've thought, oh, expletive, I didn't get this person a gift. Well, guess what? We've got Potterless digital merch, which you can download immediately and then send to them. So boom, no need for shipping, no delays possible. If you need an oh, expletive gift, Potterless has got you covered. We have a new digital bundle. It is called the Potterless Bundle 3, colon, this time it's personal. And that's because one of the pieces of feedback I got was that people wanted more than just ringtones, more than just text tones. They wanted alarm tones. So we've got various tones, ring, alarm, text, all of the above from some of your favorite voices that appear on Potterless, including mine, but also your favorite potions, Professor, the darkest of lords, and also UK correspondent Dottie James. Dottie James sent over a bunch of audio files. We've got five different Dottie ringtones. I'm very excited about those. And Kelly made a bunch of new wallpapers. We've got a steamed nuggets wallpaper. We've got a Canti Potter wallpaper and a basketball snitch wallpaper. So you can get that whole bundle and check out all of the other Potterless merchandise as well over at potterlesspodcast.com slash merch. And speaking of the holidays, recently we had the Potterless Holiday Digital Live show, and I'm currently working with our merch team to get a link up so that even if you missed it and you still want to get a download of that video, you can do so. So if you follow Potterless on social media, you should be able to get an update about that there, but I will be working with our merch team this week to get that up as soon as possible. And speaking of teams that help me with stuff, we've got new patrons over at our team at patreon.com slash Potterless who are helping to keep the show going. So shout out to Wendy Rainish King, Gerald Chapman, Catherine Carolchak, Ari, and Tim. And also shout out to Katie Bottenhorn who upgraded their pledge. And of course, a shout out as always to our producer level patrons. Vicky, Christine, Aaron, Clown, Marchismo, Juan, Rosemary, Marie, Lisa, Audra, Eleanor, Nikita, Rachel, Zachary, Alex, John, Noel, Claire, Rory, Veronica, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Colleen, Jennifer, Justin, Jacob, Maya, Mark, Polly, Zena, Harlan, Noelia, Nikki, Kine, Amanda, Kafir, Sarah, Marta, Maya, Floor, Georgia, Skyla, Adele, Professor, Threat, Ellie, Michael, Kelly, Kerry, Connie, Jen, Nedry, Will, Marcos, Marique, Ashton, Brittany, Phelan, The Meadows Family, Ginny, Heather, Kevin, Jarl, Peter, Jen, and Callahan, Leah, Bella, Melanie, Becca, Reese, Adam, Joseph, Lily's mom, Madison, Tonk, Sabrina, Sophia, Farzan, Melanie, Matt, Okamahime, Bony Pony, Kelsey, Rike, Taylor, Megan, Riley, Laurel, Erica, Miranda, Landon, Kendra, Natanya, Yogan, Darcy, Sandra, Craig, Lior, Demi, Michelle, Callista, Jennifer, Henrique, Delkis, Katrina, Casey, Megan, Zat, Jack, Sophia, Dane, Robin, Chick, Mermaid, Dedekins, Alaria, Gregory, Stan, Kaka, Nina, Ribbon, Brittany, Ashley, Gavin, Jack, Serenity, Emily, Haley, Sabrina, Jenna, Laura, Gila, Eileen, Annette, Kirsten, Hufflepuff, Brett, Hunter, Mary, Artemis, Trans People are People, Samantha, Nina, Tatiana, Taylor, Karis, Vomit Spiders, Tony Joe, Punkfish, Rochelle, Wire Warriors, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Who never forget to take the key fob to the apartment building out with them when they go to walk their in-laws' dog, meaning that they have to call someone and say, hi, I'm outside and it's snowing here in Canada. Can you please let me in? I'm also here with your dog. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus episodes, director's commentary, monthly live streams, and more, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 156 of Potterless, the fourth installment of our coverage of Puffs, guest starring David Gordon, aka Alas Earwax, who made the intro song you're about to hear featuring me. Enter thickness. Enter thickness. And enter enter and 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 and
Potter Thickness. Thickness, thickness. Hello, Internet, and welcome back to another episode of Potter's The Tale of a Grown Man Who Never Read the Harry Potter series as a kid. He read them once as an adult, and now he's doing the other things in Harry Potter minutia, including Puffs the Play. My name is Mike Schubert, I'm that grown man, and I'm going to introduce our guest, much like the British television show that he has helped make me a super fan of Taskmaster. And for the introduction, I'll do it like in season one, where Greg Davies said kind of mean things about the guests when he would introduce them. <laughs> so it's someone whose bad puns give a, a response of an audience, much like a cell phone turned on silent in a movie theater. It's David Gordon. David, how's it going? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing well. I miss Greg Davies doing that. I get that they cut it for time and stuff for the show, but I did appreciate just doing a round of insults at the beginning of every episode. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's always nice when you have guests over to make sure that they don't get too full of themselves. Hit him right at the start, bring him down a peg, because you are the Lord Taskmaster, the six-foot-eight British human that makes people do menial tasks. For everyone listening that is confused, just YouTube Taskmaster and start with Series 4, and then you're welcome <laughs> in advance. It's true. Taskmaster is one of the best pieces of television ever produced by anyone Ever. It's really solid. So enough of this Taskmaster talk, which I guess will be our new podcast coming out to a podcatcher near you. Let's talk about puffs. Uh, we have more <laughs> puffs to discuss. So I say we get right back into the mix. Let's discuss those puffs. Let's puff. Let's have a disc disc puffshin. Yeah, disc puffshin. We did it. Yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. Here we mm -hmm. go. So we left off. Year three has ended and we go into the fourth year and the other schools come in. Bo Batten has been referred to as the Frenchies, and Durmstrang is Dragonstrang. What's great about the renditions of our favorite members of each of these schools, so Fleur, who is just Frenchie, just is a very French caricature, baguette, accent, beret, all that kind of stuff. It genuinely reminds me of doing improv with somebody who can't pull off a French accent, so they just start <laughs> saying French words. Yep. Baguette. <laughs> when I lived in France for work, Halloween crossed during the time that I was there. And Halloween in Paris, at least, is not a very big thing. People go out to bars and will maybe dress up, but Halloween parties, I learned the hard way, are a very American thing. So I made a point to have a Halloween party at my place and invite my coworkers. And most people did not dress up, but I did dress up as an American stereotype of France. <laughs> So I I bought a beret at a tourist place because no one wears berets in Paris. I hate to break it to the world. No one does. So I had to buy a beret for this joke. And then I got a baguette and a bottle of wine and drew a very curly mustache around. And I had a French soccer jersey that I had gotten while I was there. Oh, you, did, you didn't go for the, the striped mime shirt? I already owned the soccer shirt. And oh, okay. the beret was annoyingly expensive because I had to buy it from a tourist trap place because they don't <laughs> sell berets anywhere else. So that plus the $1 baguette, I figured, okay, I'll just wear a shirt. And no one got it. <laughs> <laughs> I had to explain it a lot to the French people. Like, I'm making fun of how my country poorly makes fun of you. And they were like, okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's it's better that they just kind of didn't recognize it than that they found it, like, offensive. <laughs> yeah, no no one really got upset by it. They were just like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I guess. You know, if, if a European person came in uh, American flag, everything, Cowboy you hat. know, in jean shorts and just started talking about Big Macs or whatever, I would get it. Yeah. Although in 
that case, we kind of have exported our own stereotype <sighs> in terms of like, I feel like we got to decide what the joke about us was going to be. Yeah. Like, it's the cowboy hat. It's the American flag everything. I did learn when I was abroad that French people know about very few states. They basically know New York, Texas, and California. Those are the big three that kind of cover America. You're either one of those three things. That makes sense. When I was in Japan, I would tell people I was from near Seattle, and they would generally have heard of Seattle, not of Washington State, of Seattle. And it was it was very like generational. Like sports fans knew of the Mariners because we had a oh, couple Ichiro Japanese players Suzuki, at the obviously. time. We had Ichiro <laughs> Suzuki and uh, a couple of others. Uh, and then music fans would know that that was where Nirvana was from. Mm. And then people who worked in tech would know that that was where Microsoft is headquartered. That's huge. Yeah, that's a really important internationally known city. Good for Seattle. Yeah. So, I mean, there there was that sort of little bit of like, you know, you still have like New York, L.A., probably the stereotype of Texas. And then there's like also Seattle. We've, <laughs> we've heard of you. Like, Cool. I'll take it. The puffs of American stereotype locations. Seattle. We're here, too. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> so what they do for Yvonne, I almost said what they do for Yvonne Drago. What they do for Victor Crumb is he just quotes Yvonne Drago from Rocky Four. And what's great is like, this is a funny enough joke where you don't have to know that he's quoting Yvonne Drago for this to be funny. I just didn't. because someone's saying I must break you in a very thick Russian accent is a fun joke about Durmstrang. But if you've seen the Rocky movies, particularly Rocky Four, which is the best or at least the most yeah, like he fights the Russian. It's America versus the USSR in terms of boxing. Like it's the most Rocky Rocky movie. And <laughs> I love it. It's, you know, it's like the Top Gun of Rocky movies where you're like, yeah, this is kind of bad, but it's also perfect. <laughs> but he just quotes Ivan Drago every single quote. And I think it's very good. I also appreciate another good prop is that he has like a collapsed spear that like looks like a oh yeah the like extending cane thing yeah it shoots out open and it's it, it, it opens very quickly to where if i was using this prop i would actively be afraid of it <laughs> like i wouldn't put it in my pocket at any point i'd be terrified i did like that prop and also because it's to me felt like a good shout out to the random staffs that they gave all the Durmstrang students in the movie. Yeah, yeah. That was never said in the books, right? That was just movie flavor. No, that was just like, you know, somebody writing that movie was like, we need it to be like exciting when they enter the Great Hall because we've opted not to film the bit where one of them shows up in a giant flying carriage and one of them comes in a like three masted ship coming out of the lake. Which would have been super exciting and cinematic, but that's not how they introduced them. Do they not show that in the movie? I feel like they did, and I feel like I made fun of the bad CGI. They do it very quickly, because in the book, when they meet the students, everyone comes out on the lawn and oh. meets them. You know, the ship comes out of the lake, and they they meet the Durmstrang students, and the giant carriage lands, and they meet the uh, Bobaton students. But in the movie... I think it's been a while since I've watched the movie, but in the movie, I think like you see the ship show up, you see the carriage show up, but then it just cuts to the great hall and the, they meet the students just coming in. So they're like, we need to spice up this entry. So the Bobatons, which is now an all pretty girls school mm -hmm. are going to like moon eyes at you and like produce <laughs> butterflies out of their skirts. And then the Durmstrang students are just going to have giant sticks that produce sparks. 
when they like hit the pavement. And they're gonna break dance angrily. <laughs> and like somehow have too much motion blur for the speed they're moving. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they made choices. They made a lot of choices in Goblet of Fire. Speaking of staffs and choices, in either movie five or six, Moody just gets a staff instead of a wand. He's just Gandalf now. Because he's old and has to walk with a cane, I guess, now. So it's just his wand. <laughs> Oh boy, I, I'm realizing now that we're talking about it how little I remember the movies. So let's move on and talk about Puss instead. Yeah, great. Yeah, the, remember that thing we were supposed to be talking about in this episode? <laughs> so they introduce the whole house cup thing. And again, they say they're drawing the names on Halloween, which begs the question, does everything always happen on Halloween? I didn't remember this being a thing, but maybe it is. I mean, I suppose we could look this up. Ah, come on. What would we do? Research. <laughs> Gross. I'll save that for my Chumbawamba podcast. <laughs> now, past Mike, you might be allergic to research, but I love it. Hey, everyone, it's me, Editing Mike, and I'm picking up past Mike's slack. I did research, and yes, in fact, everything happens on Halloween. In Harry's first year on Halloween, you have the troll in the dungeon. In Harry's second year, Ginny opens the Chamber of Secrets. In the third year, Sirius Black enters Hogwarts Castle. And in Harry's fourth year, the Goblet of Fire chooses the Triwizard Tournament champions on Halloween. Now, even before Harry's time, you have stuff that happens on Halloween. The whole James Lily Voldemort attack, that took place on Halloween. There was also an attack on Hogwarts on Halloween in 1984 by Fenrir Greyback and his army. So clearly for J.K. Rowling, anytime something ominous is going to happen, it has to take place on Halloween, it's the creepy holiday. So that is the research that I put together, and now we can go back to the podcast. So when Dumbledore calls the name, it flies out of the cup, and he screams, ow, hot fire, which I do think is pretty good, <laughs> since you do have to grab a flaming hot piece of paper. Yep. He calls out Mr. Diggory, and then the puffs are very excited. They say, this year is about us, and no one can take that away from us. <laughs> and then they call Harry's name, and Harry, in his perfect, naive fashion, goes, oh no, what did I get into this time? <laughs> I love the way that this show uses dramatic irony in that we, the audience, already know how things go in Harry Potter. So, you know, like things like that, nothing can screw this up for us. Like if this was just an original play, like that would just mean nothing. But just the fact that it's Harry Potter means that that very simple line just has this like, oh, oh, buddy. Mm -hmm. I've been binging the West Wing a lot. And this is the opposite of that, where the West Wing, you usually spend 40 minutes wondering, what are they talking about? What is this thing that every character knows that they haven't told us yet? And then finally, you get the reveal. This is the reverse, where the audience is ahead of the show instead of the other way around. So we all know what's coming, and it makes jokes like this very funny. Another example is like when the Colin Creevy thing happened, and Oliver says, <laughs> I hope something really bad happens to that kid. Yeah, or, you know, for sadness points, when Cedric says, you know, after the third task, I'll teach you everything I know. Oh, and just like, oh, no, no, you guys. Punch. It, it also does remind me of, I don't know if you ever watched Community. A little bit, a little bit. There's a couple of times in the later seasons of Community where the background characters will just sort of acknowledge how much everything that happens at the school seems to revolve around the same seven people. <laughs> at the end of season two, you just get a couple of background characters saying like, you know, I thought we were going to have one class that wasn't all about them. <laughs> <laughs> I love a self-aware joke. Yeah, it com like comes back later. But like it, it is funny to just sort of, and I mean, that is one of the jokes of the play, of just sort of take the world of, you know, relatively traditional narrative about one character where most of the things we're told revolve around that character because that's how narratives work. And just be like, 
what if that is all that's happening? <laughs> what if literally all of the important stuff is happening to that guy, but all these other people have to live here too? This is why our Ravenclaw play will just be people studying the whole time and the things happen just down the hallway. <laughs> I'm just, I'm literally imagining Claus as just that picture from the like lo-fi music to yep, study exactly to girl just thinking. sitting yep, yep, and yep, studying. Yep, yep. <laughs> just three hours of that. Just see that on loop within the background, people just screaming, you know. Speaking of that joke, they make fun of it. So Dumbledore screams Harry very loudly, but then very calmly says, did you put your name into that little cup over there? And then everyone laughs, of course. And then as Harry walks off, Dumbledore says to the crowd, I'm the definition of calm right now. And this felt very heavy handed, but it's one of those jokes that you can't be a play that makes fun of Harry Potter without making fun of this. So it feels like a obligatory, we have to make this joke, joke. Yeah. I mean, to their credit, it's a good version of that joke, but I kind of agree. It's not a joke you could get away with leaving out, even if you hated it as the brighter. Yes, I appreciated that at least it wasn't just one way. He starts by screaming and then ends by being calm. So I appreciate at least taking a different approach to it. Yeah. So then we have a scene between Oliver and Ron where Harry was talking to Ron the mop and then gets upset with him, so just drops the mop on the stage. And Oliver picks up the mop, and then the mop is very mean to Oliver. I also have to say, very underrated, but it's convincing mop prop work (laughs) by Oliver because once he picks it up and then starts moving it to yell at him, I know that it's just the actor holding a mop and shaking it, But it does convincingly look like the mop is arguing with Oliver. (laughs) That is to the credit of the show that the fact that Ron is a mop is not a shortcut to like going half measures with it. It's like they have paid attention to what it's going to take to make this mop work as a character. Yeah, it's really, really (laughs) solid. So at this point is when Oliver calls Ron the worst Weasley, which is incorrect because Percy does still exist. True. But... I like a hot take on a character, and this is a hot take for sure. Yeah, I mean, besides Percy, it'd be hard to argue someone else is being worse than Ron. I'm not going to dunk on Ron. Like, Ron's the Hufflepuffiest of the Gryffindors. (laughs) This whole show is about celebrating the puffiness in all of us. It's not that Ron is the worst. It's just that everyone else is really good. And it's hard to compete when the rest of your family is amazing. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. So the next class is Mad-Eye Moody's class, and he turns around and he has a ginormous sparkly eye and it's laughably huge which i think is funny because the movie decided we're going to make him steampunk and give him a bionic (laughs) eye even though that is not how it's described in the book so i like making fun of that and then i also like that moody in just being the smoothest that he could possibly be announces that he is the ordinary not fake moody (laughs) so then we have a scene with cedric before the first task he is practicing various spells and one of the ones he does is he does a reparo spell and hannah holds up glasses and goes he fixed these glasses i was holding which (laughs) i just again much like the mob is just such a funny we all know what the joke is we all know that she was holding the glasses and they weren't actually broken but 
this is puffs and this is the kind of magic that you're getting. <laughs> and I really appreciated it. And it becomes a recurring bit later on in the show. And when they do it the second time later, I laughed uproariously. I mean, you never know when you're going to need someone to fix some glasses that you're holding. Classic wizarding conundrum, broken glasses. Especially since wizard LASIK apparently isn't the thing. It should be. I mean, uh, why not? <laughs> so Wayne has made a creature prep book for Cedric. It's an illustrated, basically fantastic piece in where to find them that he has given to Cedric for him to prepare. And this is the scene where Cedric is talking to Wayne and just keeps doing aviophores, which I did check and is not a Harry Potter spell. I don't think, or at least the name is different enough that my Googling didn't show me anything that it was making fun of. But it is a fun way of just making a bunch of birds appear <laughs> in Wayne's hand. And this is another one. I saw it live. I was genuinely surprised with how many birds <laughs> he produced. And the way that they do it, it's just the perfect classic magic misdirect where I know that he's just taking them out of his pocket, but the way in which it's done with the sound cue and the way they do it, some of the times, at least when I saw it live, I was confused about how they did it. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's it's a good trick. It rides right on that line of, oh, I'm actually a little impressed because I wasn't expecting something this good while still being on the level of like, well, it's not like a live dove or something. It's, it's like a model. <laughs> it's a squishy canary of sorts, like a dog's chew toy that doesn't squeak. But Wayne is helping out Cedric with this book, and he says that he doesn't know a lot about Fantastic Beasts and where one might find them. And he starts to mention the creatures. He picks ones that are wizarding, but then he starts getting into things that aren't from the wizarding world. He talks about the Balrog, for example, from Lord of the Rings. But then the best joke of this is Cedric is very excited by the book. He grabs it and he excitingly holds it to where the crowd can see the next two drawings. And it's a Dalek from Doctor Who and Paddington Bear. <laughs> 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 Which I just love that Paddington got into the mix as a magical creature. I also did love the the joke that Wayne makes about like the reason that those are in there is because he doesn't have a firm grasp on what fantasy creatures are real now that he knows that he's part of the wizarding world. So he's just sort of scattershot prepared everything he thinks might potentially exist. I just like that you go from sci-fi villain to sci-fi villain to bear that likes marmalade and gets into some shenanigans. One star in the Fantastic Beasts danger rating. Or one, <laughs> one X. One X rating Paddington Bear. <laughs> Negative X's, he will help you. He will help you pass, David. And you know what will help future Mike if we take a little bit of a break here for a segment that we like to call Wingardium Adriosa. Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by the listener. Let's say hypothetically that you are you, and you're listening to Potterless, and you're loving it, and you finish an episode, and you're all caught up, and you're also all caught up on horse, and you're also all caught up on meddling adults. You need some sort of new podcast in your life, but you don't want to put time into something, start listening to a show, and then find out you don't like it. You want something curated? Well, the listener is here for you. The listener is a daily podcast recommendation newsletter, which sends you three superb episodes to your inbox every weekday. And what's great about it is that it will 
send you outstanding and diverse audio more so than the same 10 shows that show up in every best of list at the end of the year. The listener will help you uncover gems from creators around the world. And as a paying subscriber, in addition to the email newsletter, you will get access to a personal feed that can deliver these recommendations straight into your favorite podcasting app. It's written by Caroline Crampton, who is a very nice human. She was a guest on Meddling Adults. I had the pleasure of e-meeting her via Zoom, and she's a wonderful human being. But in addition to being a very nice human being, she is a podcast industry expert who listens to dozens of hours of podcasts in order to filter out the bad ones so she only sends you the very best that will surprise and delight you. And as a Potterless listener, you can get 20% off your first year at thelistener.co if you use the code Potterless. Again, that's thelistener.co and use the code Potterless and you'll get 20% off your first year for this great daily podcast recommendation newsletter. So go to thelistener.co, use that code Potterless and get 20% off your first year and some wonderful podcast recommendations so you don't have to spend time finding them today. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are, so it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club, and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want, and then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me, and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash potterless. Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash potterless for 10% off your first purchase. So if you want to collect some cards or rip open some packs in a more transparent way, whether you're a sports nerd or a Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. So Harry then runs in and interrupts. He says that it's dragons. And just to put an extra damper on Wayne's mood, says, quote, 
anything else you've prepared for, forget it. Dragons! <laughs> and then runs off stage. Oh, oblivious Harry. <laughs> it's great. So you get the first task, and we have a Ludo Bagman-esque character. He goes unnamed, but the first spell he does is Microphonus, and then instead of doing a thing where, you know, he points his wand at his neck like they do in the main series, he just has a microphone now, which I think is absolutely fantastic. And he announces the Three Wizard Tournament, which is a great example of doing a name that is just close enough, but also just bad enough to be funny. Tri-Wizard Tournament sounds fine. Three Wizard Tournament is laughably mundane. And hammers home even more the fact that there are not three wizards in it. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> so the dragon is just the actress who plays Sally in a onesie with goggles on. Mm -hmm. Love it. And Cedric is about to face off against the dragon and the puffs are all gathered together and they say, Cedric, Cedric, he's our man. If he can't do it, We'll still be happy we had this chance. <laughs> Go Cedric, which is just beautifully puff-tastic. It's the best possible puff chair. Mm -hmm. So Cedric is able to defeat the dragon using the dog charm. The narrator wraps up task one by saying that this was the tale of how four dragons thought their children had been stolen from them. Again, just bringing up how truly wild and ill-conceived the Triwizard Tournament was. It makes no sense at all. And I'm glad that Puffs is making fun of it. It's a good thing there's no cruelty to animals regulations in the wizarding world. <laughs> my goodness. My goodness. So now it's the Yule Ball. Wayne tried to ask out Ginny prior, but Neville had swooped in. Then you get another audience ahead of them joke where Megan says, if it makes you feel any better, that Longbottom kid is ugly and he'll probably stay ugly forever. Um. Shout out to Matt Lewis. Please come on the pod. I'll talk about how pretty you are for for an hour. <laughs> I look forward to that episode. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be the first and only video episode of Potter. <laughs> <laughs> so Wayne ends up asking Leanne. Leanne says that she would love to go. The only other person that asked her was her imaginary friend, Jay Finch Fletchley, which begins a confusing bit of Jay Finch being imaginary and everyone, including Jay Finch, agreeing with this. <laughs> I didn't necessarily get this joke. I thought it was funny at first. I liked Leanne thinking that Jay Finch was imaginary, but then when it expanded to other people thinking it, I got confused. Like later on, you have a scene where Ernie McMillan is convinced that Jay Finch is imaginary. And once you have more than just Leanne, like the joke of Leanne thinks Jay Finch is imaginary, that's good. When other people start agreeing with her, the lore becomes murky and I just have more questions than answers. I'm just confused about logistically. Is he imaginary? What is happening? Although I, I will say at one point I was in Japan and I was just like talking to this guy, like, you know, random stranger. And, you know, we were sitting there talking in Japanese. And this other guy walks up and is like, what are you talking to this American for? He doesn't understand Japanese. And then like the guy I had been talking to in Japanese for multiple minutes at that point, just kind of started pretending like he couldn't understand me. Like this other person had somehow just totally convinced him that I didn't speak Japanese and like couldn't understand what he was saying. And it's just like, there is some level at which people could absolutely be just like reach the point of uh, sharing this delusion of Jay Finch's uh, non-existence. But yeah, like I'll, I'll agree. It was, it was one of the most like 
Because it is a totally original joke to the show. Like, it's not a reference to anything in Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And, like, as a piece of original canon, it is kind of confusing. <laughs> yeah. So Oliver then asks Megan to the Yule Ball. Megan says, better you than Mr. Imaginary. And Jay Finch screams running off stage that Jay Finch doesn't exist. But then he gets very excited because he goes, Jay Finch can go wherever he wants. And then goes off stage. So Harry then enters and Harry says, I want to ask Cho, but I'm so embarrassed and then tries to hug Oliver and Megan. They run away uh, and Wayne is the only one that is left. So Harry then does a slow turn to Wayne and then raises his eyebrows and then goes and hugs Wayne and then starts kissing Wayne's shoulders. And then you get your first instance of Harry having a conversation with one of the characters we actually really know about. And he's talking to Wayne and says, quote, over the summer, I went to a sports tournament and I got there by touching a boot. Boots can take you anywhere. (laughs) Bye, Wayne. Wee! And runs off stage. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's very much of the same kind of joke as the, now can anyone tell me what foreshadowing is from very Potter musical of the just like, is there any reason for us to be having this conversation right now? None whatsoever, but it will be important later. (laughs) So Wayne and Cedric now are together. Cedric has the egg. He says, I've tried everything. I've tried opening it. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought that was very funny. It's something Katie pointed out in the previous episodes that Cedric is the most put together of the puffs, but he does still have these glimmering moments of puffiness where he isn't fully put together. And I think it makes him really endearing. Oh yeah. Like the Cedric is, I mean, I think even more so than movie Cedric, like puff Cedric is genuinely what I pictured Cedric like when I read the books. It's my official canon Cedric now, so much so that Kelly and I recently did a digital live show for Potterless where we did Wizarding World Survivor. And no spoilers, because people can still get the link and watch it if they want to. But Cedric made it pretty far, and a lot of people were wondering in the comments of the YouTube Live, why do you guys like Cedric so much? And it's because we had just watched Puffs, and we really (laughs) like that Cedric portrayal. And also, I've talked multiple times with the actor who plays Cedric in Puffs, and... That guy's really nice, so I just have a really high opinion of Cedric now, not based on anything canon. (laughs) Book Cedric, to me, always struck me as the kind of cool guy that Puff Cedric is. The popular kid that doesn't suck. Yeah, in terms of, like, he manages to be cool not at anybody else's expense. He doesn't put other people down. He's not mean. He's not in it for himself in any way. Like, he just genuinely is that cool. And, like, you can absolutely hate someone for that because, like, it can be grating to just, like, be around someone who's just, like, that cool and nice. But, like, that was always how I pictured Cedric. So, it's like, see- like seeing him, like, played in this in this very endearing but still, like, very cool sort of way is, like, yeah, that, that is the kind of person that I looked up to when I was a you know, 13-year-old, 14-year-olds. Yeah. That is exactly the kind of person who I would have wanted to be my friend and wanted to impress. And yeah, good, good job. It's very well done. What also is very well done is that when Cedric opens the egg, the scream is not a high-pitched noise. It's just some guy going, ah! (laughs) (laughs) Which I, I don't know what it is about person just yelling in a voice like that, but it reminds me of, did you see the Twitter meme video going around with the mummy thing where they edited over and it's like, Scientists were able to mimic Nessie Amun's voice by recreating his mouth and vocal cords with a 3D printer. It allowed them to produce a single sound. 
<laughs> and that's not actually what the sound was in this new segment, but it's very convincingly done for this Twitter video. And oh, oh, it's so funny. <laughs> Something about just a very normal yell I find hilarious. So Wayne says that he used to solve riddles in the bathtub. And then right after Wayne gives this piece of information, Moody comes in and just screams, Diggory, use the bathtub. Trust me. And then he drinks from a flask and leaves through the door he just came in. So again, Wayne is getting undermined by someone else giving information. And I like that this is Puff's way of not only making sure that they don't break canon, but you also get the added thing of it just makes Wayne's plight that much greater. His struggles are that much more because he was the person that tried to help Cedric both of those times, but someone else swooped in and took all the glory. And that's why those pieces of information came across in the canon books. Yeah. So Wayne then suggests to Cedric that he should ask Cho to the Mule Ball, and Cedric agrees that that's a good idea. So now we get to the Myrtle scene, and this is played by the same person who does Harry, and as far as impressions go, this, I think, it rivals the McGonagall one, but this is just, it sounds exactly like Moaning Myrtle from the movies, and it's incredible. Visually, too, like, like she's already very close to the Moaning Myrtle aesthetic. Yeah, the pigtails help a lot, too. It just, it's a really solid portrayal. But yeah, you get your classic Myrtle shenanigans of being all to Cedric, so, you And know. taking more seriously the fact that Myrtle is kind of sexually harassing characters yep. in this part of the book. And she's also still a kid. Myrtle's one of those things where the more you think about it, the worse it gets. So let's continue. <laughs> Cedric is able to take the egg and put it in the bathtub, which the bathtub is just made up of all the other actors in the show standing around, which is fun. But when he goes under and opens it, they sing a song that says, mermaids, steal your friends, mermaids. And then Cedric goes up and he goes, I got it now dragons again and then <laughs> da 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 mermaids so cut to the yule ball itself oliver and megan are just wonderfully awkward uh, it's just like the perfect very middle schooly dance i like that everyone true to form is doing the classic middle school dance of hands on the hips hands on the shoulders, yep. way too much room for the Holy Spirit in between, or at least that's what they said on my permission slips at the <laughs> school dances in my K-8 Catholic school. Mine was enough space to fit the Book of Mormon in between you. Is that actually what it said? <laughs> or is, are you just making a Mormon joke? Because I wouldn't be surprised. Unofficially, that was the rule for Mormon like mm. social events, like dances. It's like, if you're dancing, there's got to be like the width of the Book of Mormon between you, which is about the width of like your average... I don't know, novel, so two, three inches. Okay. Yeah, my actual permission slips for the dances at the bottom printed. Someone made the concern choice to always put this. It said, save room for the Holy Spirit when dancing. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it, it was never anything that official. <laughs> Let me tell you, St. Gregory the Great Catholic School, they were <laughs> letting you know that grinding was not to be taking place at this school. Cut this out if this is not a topic for the podcast. But this is the Catholic doctrine that the Holy Spirit has no like corporeal form. And that is what I always said was the Holy Spirit. There is no room for the Holy Spirit. Because like if you're leaving room for Jesus, like that's enough room for the body of a person. Or at least a very small cracker. <laughs> yeah, where it's, it's just like, wait, the, the one you chose is the one that you explicitly don't believe has a body? 
Don't leave any room at all then. It was it was a silly choice, but also I was way too scared to grind someone in seventh grade. Are you kidding me? <laughs> me? What? It, the, I, I was a late bloomer in the grinding department. And uh, let me tell you, the first grinding that I ever did in high school did not go well. <laughs> the girl that I was doing this dancing with, since I had no idea what the hell I was doing, she just left halfway through the song. <laughs> Super fun for me. Yeah. I watched other people dance on the rare occasion where I could not get out of going to the dance in the first place. <laughs> Later, I got very good. Let the record show. <laughs> I did not improve at all, except I got better at not going. I think it was just I overthought it. I think I didn't realize it was like, oh, I just I just get right on them and then just move at the same beat. Got it. Whereas when I was in ninth grade, I was like, surely it's not just this. Surely there's something else. I have to be missing something. So anyway, Harry Potter. So Megan and Oliver are beautifully awkward and they're talking and Oliver starts to first show his signs of liking Megan. He says, this year you've been yourself because this is the first year where she's not just trying to take on the trait of one of the other houses. He says that, and you are neat which is good. I love neat. Neat. We got to bring back neat. It's such a fun word to say. Like, ah, how neat. Yeah, I, had, I had a friend in college who had this, like that, that was his go-to like positive adjective, but he had this like way of saying it that was just like neat. <laughs> and like every time, like I hear it and it makes me smile and it makes me think of my friend. And like, it just has like even more positive connotations than it already had. So yeah, I'm all for the, uh, I'm all for the bring back neat campaign here. Mm -hmm. My buddy Jake Hassel in college was the first person who really committed to calling all of his friends nerds and would enter a room by saying, sup nerds, <laughs> which I adapted very much so and have done so even to where it's the intro to horse where I announce sup nerds, it's basketball. I was going to say, I've definitely heard you say that. Yep. I mean, it's just a fun way to address your friends. And it's also just a way to promote a longstanding mantra I've tried to stay by, inspired by John Green, which is that nerd should be a positive word, and it's not negative. Nerd is a compliment, and everyone should think of it as such. It just means you like something a whole lot, and since when is that a bad thing? For most things, anyway. Most things, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> like, you can't be like, I'm, I'm, su I'm such a... <laughs> Yeah, I'm such a eugenics nerd. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> Let's not let the eugenicists have that. That's our word. <laughs> yeah. So then you get a point of the Yule Ball, very much bringing back middle school vibes for me, which is they have the slow dance and all the slow dances is it just goes a really short slow dance song and then that ends. And then Oliver points out that that was a really short slow dance song. And I do remember that the slow dance was a very important thing oh, yeah. for the middle school dance, especially because my dances didn't have any grinding. That is where you had to play your romantic moves and the dances would be two hours and they would always do a slow dance like once every, you know, five or so. I don't even know. Like there'd be maybe four or five slow dances per dance. So you would have to calculate. <laughs> I would be doing the math of like, all right, there have been three songs. The slow dance might be soon. I got to make sure that I'm kind of close to Mackenzie Kissel so that I can try to slow dance with her. <laughs> there was many uh, shenanigans afoot and many calculations done. The social calculus of not seeming like you want it too badly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, look, I just happened to be standing right next to you. Would you like to slow dance? I've only been thinking about this for the past 45 minutes. Uh, I mean, we'd better slow dance or it will look weird that we're just standing here. Right. Oh, gosh. The, the politics and social maneuvering of middle school dances I do 
not miss. Not at all. So the puffs at one point then do some puff choreography, which I wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of, but I did appreciate that Megan is doing the bare minimum of the choreography, which I really appreciate that she didn't just stand there and not do it. She still did all the moves in the most minimalistic way possible, and that brought it around, and I thought it was really funny. Well, I just want to say, like, the the actress playing Megan is doing... Like, some of her characterization is a little, like, stereotypical teenager. Like, gosh, mom, like that Mm -hmm. sort of style. But, like, she's doing so many things in just, like, the little details of her performance that are like, oh, man, I remember being a teenager. Like, those little things of, like, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to make sure you know I don't like it. Right, but I'm still going to do it because it's what I'm supposed to do. (laughs) The ending note of this was also very fun because they all decide to do a roll call. And it's not even a classic failed roll call where they all say it at the same time. And it's not a correctly done roll call where you wait. They all just say it in this cacophony of names where some people say it at the same time, some people try to wait, and then you get a very late, I forget, one person at the very end says their name. And it's just, it's so perfectly, terribly done that I know that it was rehearsed and planned. Like, it's too good at being bad not to be (laughs) planned. I love it. So then we get into the second task, and they make what is the obvious joke, but it's still fun to actually see it acted out is how boring it is to watch the second task, which is just a bunch of people underwater for an hour. So I appreciate that they still finally gave us those optics of what it was like to watch the second task, which had to have been incredibly uninteresting. Here we are, staring at a lake. And you forget that it is an hour. The narrator points this out. It's an hour. Can you imagine? Like, imagine instead of listening to this episode, which you have been doing for, we're approaching on an hour, you were just sitting outside watching a lake. Like, it's somehow worse than going fishing, which is the worst thing. You could do that as an episode, just like, this is the Potterless episode themed after the second task. I'm just going to point this microphone at a lake for an hour. Every now and then I'll just, like, gargle water. (laughs) I'll start by eating gillyweed and making screaming noises, and I'll have shark sound effects, and then it will be 55 minutes of nothing, and then a few minutes of, you know, breathing heavily because I've been underwater. There you go. So then the narrator is going on and recapping how the results of this task went. The narrator says, quote, they decided to award Harry second because he was nice to French people. And Harry is holding a very small French flag. I think it's a French flag. I'm not positive that it's not a Netherlands flag, which is red, white, and blue horizontal instead of vertical. But I think it's a tiny French flag. And he says, de nada, as he walks past with the tiny flag covering his face. (laughs) I just love it so much. The narrator also then points out that between tasks two and three, they remembered that they were actually a school, so they had to go to classes. And this is something that the book and the movie are guilty of. The book at least has them going to class. The movie, the only class they go to is McGonagall's dance class, which isn't a class (laughs) that is in the the books. So I'm glad the narrator pointed this out because it needs to be dunked on. Inspired by this, Wayne is trying to do Asio book, and it is Asio, not Accio. This is one of the things where they had to make a spell that is very close to the spell, but for contractual reasons, they couldn't say Accio. When I saw this live, I thought, is he just pronouncing Accio strangely? And then after talking to the Puffs about legal stuff, this is an example of Accio is a copyright one. Although this was 
a argument that I genuinely had at the time of this book between kids who are like, that's def- it's definitely Accio and people who are like, no, it's like Asio. It's like a soft C. I can tell you from Latin, which I did take in high school, that Maybe. it would be, if you're going by Latin rules, a hard C because soft C's in Latin, not a thing. <laughs> he keeps trying to do this. He's Asio booking. He's getting very upset. And Cedric comes in and asks, are we yelling at books, Wayne? And then he goes, hey, book, you're Dumb, and then gets a huge kick out of it. And just the joy on Cedric's face of first asking if they're yelling at books and then yelling at the book. Oh, it's so funny. I loved it so much. And then Cedric starts showing Wayne how to do SEO book. And when he successfully does it, the way that the magic works is the narrator who has been standing there holding the book the whole time goes, oh, yeah. And tosses the book. Now, when he's standing there, you know that he's probably going to toss the book if he gets it to work. But just the little, oh yeah, as if he was caught off guard and not paying attention, uh, it just tickled me. Yeah, it's a good sort of use of the fact of the narrator. Mm -hmm. So Wayne tries again and fails, but Cedric says that that is the best thing about being a puff. You fail a lot, but failure is just another form of practice as long as you don't stop trying. And this is just a genuinely solid heartfelt moment, and something that everyone should take true to heart. Yeah, you get knocked down, but you get up again. (laughs) They're never gonna keep you down. So Wayne fails again, and he's sad, but Cedric then says, how about this? Once the third task is complete, I'll teach you everything I know, which understandably lets out a collective groan from everyone in the audience. It's just such a good use of knowing that your audience is familiar with your source material. Right. And in this particular instance, it takes this situation and makes it a joke, but it makes the death of Cedric sting that much more. When it happens in the book, yeah, it's kind of sad, but you've only really known Cedric you knew of his existence, but you only really got to know him over the course of this book, and not even that much. Yeah. And in the movie, yeah, he's there, but like not that much. And he's nice, but you don't know much more about him except that he's nice, he's popular, but he's not a jerk. He's good at Quidditch. Cedric, when you're watching this whole play and you get to know Cedric more, and he's so incredibly likable, you know more stuff about him. So when he dies, it stings that much more. But even more so than that is you know how much all of the other puffs like Cedric and how much they all look up to him. From the main trio to the side characters, everyone idolizes this guy, and he's so nice, and he's a role model to all of them, and it just makes their portrayal of the Cedric death that much crushing because the way they do it is just all of the puffs are standing in the middle of the stage, much like they were in the bleachers or whatever in task three in the movie. And then they don't really even show him coming. They just show their faces slowly go from being happy that they thought he won to sad that they realize he's dead. And it really hit me hard, really hard. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's definitely you know the difference between you know, in Harry's life, Cedric plays such a minor role that, like, he doesn't really leave a gap when he's gone. But, like, Cedric has been the linchpin of the show up to this point, and is, his absence is, actually makes it different, like there is something missing. Whereas in, you know, Harry Potter, like, when did you start actually paying attention to Cedric? Oh, this book? A little bit, occasionally? Like, yeah, and just the fact that, you know, the characters who we like like him and we like him, it, yeah. It's real hard. I think the distinction is that when you read the book, it's still sad when Cedric dies, but it's more of like, oh, wow, they killed a kid. A kid died. A student at Hogwarts actually died in this book series. That's wild. Yeah. But when you watch Puffs, it's, oh, Cedric died. Yeah. 
And also, I think because so much other stuff is happening, you kind of forget that Cedric is going to die. Like when you first meet Cedric, you're like, oh, right, Cedric, he's going to die at some point. And then you get distracted by other yeah, stuff. That's the thing he does in Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. So then when yeah, so then when Cedric actually comes around to die, it's really sad. So what better way to close out this episode of Potterless Covering Puffs than a really sad moment? No, you know what? We're going to end on a happy note because the next thing is my favorite joke in the whole play. When they introduce year five, there has been a bit that is going on through the whole play where the narrator holds open a book and they're just painted yellow when they have the number on the outside. But when they do book five, he has a giant book and I did confirm this with the cast that it is a dictionary painted yellow. This book, he pulls it out and he just screams about how long it is. That is of all the jokes when I saw it live. This is the one that I laughed the hardest at because I didn't see it coming. I thought it was absolutely hilarious. It's such a perfect inside baseball joke to make. Everyone who's read the book knows how obnoxiously long book five is. And I just found it to be so incredibly hilarious. Yeah. And it's a it's a great use of like taking advantage of something that you just sort of taken for granted that he's holding up a book to represent each book. And, you know, you don't even sort of notice until that moment that like, oh, the books have actually kind of been proportional. And so this is Mm -hmm. the big book. And you sort of get that moment of, oh, that wasn't just I mean, it is set dressing, but that wasn't just set dressing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is actually some reality to these books and the way that even the narrator has to interact with his prop. It's so funny. It's incredibly well done. And it's such a simple but magical joke. And I will now end this episode of Potterless on a happy note. So, David, thank you so much for coming on and chit-chatting about puffs for these episodes. Of course. If people want to find you doing stuff, where can they find that stuff that you're doing? They can find my wizard rock music as Alas Earwax at earwaxrock.bandcamp. Dot com. They can find my Chumbawamba podcast at musicthreat.net. The podcast is called The Music's Not a Threat, and I will get back up again with that soon. Mm-hmm. Those are the big ones. Remember Cedric Diggory. Yes, remember him. I do think it's fun that your podcast is The Music is Not a Threat, given that the Puff's resounding cry is that we are not a threat. Please be our friend. So look at these crossover opportunities. Oh, yeah. The Music's Not a Threat. Please be our friend. <laughs> So, David, thank you for joining listeners. Thanks for listening. Everyone, go listen to David's wizard rock music. It's very good. And for many a time in Seattle, it was in my CD player in my car, and I would just listen to it to and from improv shows. It was always fun to listen to you doing wizard music and then see you at improv practice. So uh, always a good time. I cannot recommend Alas Earwax enough. And I also, I have to say in the Birdie Bots episode, the Earwax Birdie Bot Bean actually tastes good. It's really good. I did a live stream as Alas Earwax a couple of months ago. And uh, as a sort of like, haha, it'll be funny if I kind of punish myself. I had a box of Birdie Bots Every Flavor Beans and I'm like, I'm going to eat one in between each song and hope I don't get one of the bad ones. And I kept eating this one that I'm like, I don't know what this is, but like, it's pretty good. Like, I haven't found an earwax one yet. And I got to the end and looked at the package like, oh, the earwax bean is just delicious. It tastes amazing. So instead of alas earwax, it's alas earwax. So David, (laughs) thanks again for joining listeners. Thanks for listening. And as they say in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, when they are pleasantly surprised by how tasty the earwax Birdie Bots Every Flavor Bean is, wizard on. I talked about this at length in the intro, but just in case you skipped it for some reason, no hard feelings, it's okay. We've got new digital merchandise. We've got a new digital bundle with text tones featuring Dottie James and me. We've got Wallpapers Me by Kelly, whole bunch of fun stuff, and you can get that as well as any other Potterless merchandise you'd like to have in your life at potterlesspodcast.com slash merch. Potterless was created by Mike Schubert. It is hosted by Mike Schubert. It is edited by Mike Schubert. It is produced by Mike Schubert as well as Vicky Garcia, Christine Aaron Johnson, Klaus Lopu, Martiz Mokwan, Sanfili, Rosemary, Dash Marie, Lisa C. Keen, Audrey. 
Rivera, Elnor Curlin, Nikita Power, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Alex Consolver, John Cocker, Noel Basilay, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Veronica Bartova, Lada Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Colleen, Jennifer Marklu, Justin Montero, Jacob Parrish, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Zena Rosnowski, Harlan Haskins, Noelia, Nikki Harris, Kine, Amanda Alfor, Kafir Shaltiel, Sarah Shedder, Marta Morrison, Maya, Floor Sake, Georgia Davis, Skyla Lily, Adele Ryan, Professor Threat, Ellie Hoskovchova, Michael David Yordi, Kelly Otilio, Kerry Crumpler, Connie Bienkowski, Jen Went, Nedry OS, Will Huser, Marco Cepeda, Marie Rieger, Ashton Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, Fail on the Meadows Family, Ginny from the Block, Heather Langeal, Kevin Stewart, Jarl Sviven, Pita McGrath, Jen and Rose Daub, Callahan and Deras, Leah Reed, Bella Barlack, Melanie Demi, Becca Spry, Reese Dignan, Adam Graham, Joseph Torp, Lily's Mom, Madison, Don't Call Me Nymphadora, Sabrina Balsiger, Sophia Loves Pigs, Farzan Jarabat, Melanie DeGrave, Matt Barger, Okamahime, Boney Pony, Kelsey Gillespie, Rike Mangor Jensen, Taylor Payne, Megan Moon, Riley Kiddas, Laurel Happy, Erica Butler, Miranda, Landon Schwausch, Kendra Hertz, Natanya Page, Yogan Shanley, Darcy Alexandra Harrison, Sandra Rose, Craig McRoberts, Leo Nachum, Demi Lynn, Michelle Spurgeon, Calista Delano, Jennifer Terzi, and Henrika Wolf, Delkis, Katrina Smith, Casey Canales, Megan Stempen, Zot, Jack Gitzes, Sophia Leone, Dane Nemcher, Robin Garcia, Chick Parm, Mermaid and her Daddykins, Ilaria Vicentin, Gregory Hughes, The Real Stan Chunpei, Call Call Mother Feathers, Nina Jazalik, Ribbon Monstrosity, Brittany Harper, Ashley Somers, Gavin Miller, Jack Parr, Serenity Allen, Emily Quinlan, Haley Hastings, Sabrina Casanova, Jenny Browers, Laurel, Mazatov, Hila, Eileen Gazesh, Annette Pipitone, Kirsten R. Cunningham, Hufflepuff alumni, Brett Clausen, Hunter Gordon, Mary Price, Artemis, Trans People or People, Samantha McNamara, Nina Campley, Tatiana Schmitova, Taylor Roberts, Karis Davies, Little Vomit Spiders Running Around, Tony Joe McHufflepuff, Wire Warrior, Punkfish, Rochelle Mobs, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Web design by Kelly Schubert, and the music is by Bettina Campamadas. If you want to find us on social media, you can at facebook.com slash potterless, twitter.com slash potterless pod, instagram.com slash potterless podcast, and reddit.com slash r slash potterless. For any and all information about the show, you can go to potterlesspodcast.com. For bonus content, you can go to patreon.com slash potterless, and for merch, you can go to potterlesspodcast.com slash merch. If you want to tell someone about the show, you think of someone who might like it, shoot them a message, send them a link, say, hey, there's this podcast. I think you'd really like it. The host seems like a wonderful and very humble person. Or you could leave a rating and review online. That would really help as well. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, who wizard on?